Hello and welcome to the MC Podcast. My name is Scott Harris, your host, and today we're going to dive into a topic that I have a lot of uh, past knowledge about from a previous life in the insurance business, and I know it's something that farmers some too often times do not pay enough attention to, and uh, so we're going to bring in an expert to talk through some of this and uh, what's changed and some of the things that are going on in the insurance side of the business. And so we're going to actually bring in Jenny Brown with uh, Rural Mutual Insurance Company and uh, see if we can learn a little bit today. Welcome to the MC Podcast. My name is Scott Harris. My whole life in dairy farming. Grew up in it. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I appreciate that very much. It's been exciting to watch you guys work. Jenny, welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me. How are you? How are you? Good. No complaints. It's January, and so far all the equipment is running today. So. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's a that's a win to just think, get things started, right? So, so kind of getting things going here. Kind of tell us who you are, Jenny, and tell us about Rural Mutual, and uh, kind of what they do. So I'm a crop insurance specialist with Rural Mutual uh, in Wisconsin, and I just specialize in crop, livestock, and dairy insurance. Um, Just quick background on me, I grew up on a beef farm here in Wisconsin and kind of transitioned out of the beef, and now I just help my better half with his family farm, just grain farming here. Um, And Rural Mutual, For us, we're the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin. So for me, my position with them, uh, working with the crops and the dairy and the livestock is just a natural fit uh, because we kind of cover the portions that a traditional farm policy, you know, doesn't necessarily cover for those guys. So that's kind of where, where I fit in there. And Rural Mutual is also, we're a Farm Bureau affiliate. So a lot of other states have Farm Bureau crop insurance. We're just Rural Mutual, uh, kind of the same thing as, as Farm Bureau crop insurance and heavily tied to the egg community. So we've got our, you know, our, our fingers in what's going on in the egg community so we can make sure our products are filling all the gaps, you know, where they need coverage. Right. That's, so that brings me to kind of my first point and question is um, when you think about, you know, I just really think farmers are really good at what they do. You know, most farmers are very good at what they do, not so good at what they don't do. And what I mean by that is the stuff that they really don't know anything about, they really don't know anything about it. And it's stuff that's really vital to their success as a business. Um, and so one of those areas to me where you see a lot of gap is on the insurance side of the business. And so with my background, a uh, pre- long time previous to my time here with uh, Master's Choice, I was an agent for uh, country insurance and financial services, which is country companies used to be known as. And they were tied actually to Farm Bureau as well. And so uh, hey, we have a little history there, kind of background, kind of similar to each other there. And one of the biggest things that was always a misunderstanding was really all insurance is misunderstood, but particularly when you talk about the federal insurance side of things. And so kind of thought it would be important for you to kind of start off talking us through um, the revenue protection plan that's available through federal crop insurance. Kind of start off, give us a basic understanding of that and how it works, because if there's one thing that jumps out to me that's probably the most misunderstood 
It's that. And you're talking on the dairy side, correct? The dairy revenue? Correct. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you can't, you can't make insurance much more fun than it is. No one likes paying insurance. No one likes talking about insurance. But at the end of the day, it's, it's very vital for every operation to, you know, not over-insure, but have all aspects of their operation insured well in case of a disaster. I mean, insurance is there in case you use it, hoping you never have to. And uh, American Farm Bureau Insurance Services actually was the one that um, sort of developed and brought this dairy revenue protection product to uh, the federal crop insurance market because they saw that there was sort of a gap in some of the dairy coverage that was currently out there. There was a livestock gross margin, which like every every insurance product has its its time and its place, depending on what the market's doing. But dairy revenue was designed to cover exactly that, to cover revenue versus margin. Um, so it's only been around for a couple years, but in a nutshell, you know, it, it's kind of a subsidized put for dairy farmers to ensure their revenue based off of the milk that they're producing. Right. It kind of, you know, it, ser- it seems like to me, it kind of helps serve that purpose of you know, it's one area of the farm that even if a farmer does their job perfectly, a dairy farm does their job perfectly, they could drastically be in a bad situation because of not having this protection possibly. Um, and so that's why it was really important, I thought, to, to get a little better understanding. So I know that within that, and when it comes to this type of stuff, I'll be honest, I know enough to be very dangerous and so I don't try to uh, act like an expert by any means, but I do know, I believe there's a difference there, or there's a couple different things that you look at as far as class pricing option versus a component pricing option. Can you kind of talk through what that would look like and kind of the differences there? Sure. It's, um, it's actually a very simple product. And like you said, you know, we want to ensure they can do everything right, but with farmers, everything's at the mercy of what the market prices are going to do, whether it's crops or whether it's milk. And so this product was designed to give farmers a floor on that milk price. I mean, we would love to see the upside. I mean, the upside is making money for those guys, but the floor is guaranteeing that that price isn't going to drop below that. And dairy revenue is, it's pretty, with all insurance, it sounds worse than it is. I mean, dairy revenue is pretty simple. If they want to use it, there's only five things they have to um, decide. And it's the quarters to market. So they can market up to five quarters out. And the other big one is whether it's class or component pricing that they want to insure on. And uh, class pricing, basically, for us in Wisconsin, we usually only look at class three. But Mm -hmm. there is the option of insuring milk based on class three or class four pricing on the board. So, for example, you know, uh, third quarter of this year is going to be insuring for those three months just what those prices are going to do on the board. And, um, you know, looking at that yesterday's prices, we were looking um, third quarter was would basically insure twenty one eighteen per hundred weight of milk. So if they did class pricing, if we got to third quarter, 
uh, they can insure up to 95% of that price. So of that $21.18 a hundred weight, they could insure a floor essentially of $20.12 for themselves. If we get to that quarter and that class three price drops below that, that $20.12, um, all other factors being equal, they would essentially get paid a loss because we're guaranteeing them that $20.12. Component right. side, that one gets, um, that one we, we would basically look at a farm's um, butter fat and protein numbers, and then you can kind of dial it into where that farm is on their, their numbers and ensure it's going to give a higher floor. But the caveat to that is, on the board, then we're looking at cheddar, butter, um, and nonfat and dry weight prices. So there's multiple moving components with that on the board. And some people like it because it, it's guaranteeing them a little closer to what they're being paid with premiums. But it can also kick them out of a loss if, you know, say cheddar went up really high and butter went down. With those three moving pieces, it can essentially possibly lock them out of that loss if, if one goes up, one goes down. So it's just really, you know, it's very tailored to what each individual operation is comfortable with, what they, um, you know, what, what works for them. That's the nice part about this dairy revenue product is, you know, it's very customizable to, to each operation. Yeah, that, and that's the really nice part because, you know, we deal with a lot of different operations um, within Master Choice and have a pretty good understanding of the industry. And uh, there's definitely some that the component-based uh, aspect is going to be a much better fit um, than and some that are more uh, class-focused, class three or whatever it may be um, that they can look at. So it seems like to me, summarizing it a little bit, it sounds like that, you know, if I'm a, when I, if I'm looking at the two of them, uh, essentially, I might have a little more risk in the uh, component side as far as not getting paid because maybe cheddar or cheddar. <laughs> I guess I really like cheddar cheese, but cheese doesn't doesn't move as much or whatever. But um, but really, the payoff could be bigger. And essentially because your component has a premium generally and and that's really in so many markets that's what's that's what matters is that component so i just depend on your market and your farm and who you're selling to but that's really interesting so from that dairy revenue protection side and you may have already hit on this but maybe you just hit on it just a little further if you if you can is what is the most misunderstood aspect of that dairy revenue protection plan there's, there's probably a couple. Um, one is it's an insurance tool. You know, it's not a guaranteed revenue. It's insurance. So nine out of 10 times, you're going to pay that premium and you're not going to collect on it. But that's kind of what you're hoping. You're hoping to insure that floor and you're hoping that you're going to have, you know, quite a bit higher revenue stream because that means you made more money. Um, you know, no one likes paying insurance, but again, that that's what it's there for, for the time. Um, and especially we saw this when COVID hit, it was something completely unexpected prices dropped and quite a few guys got very significant payouts because, you know, that price dropped so significantly. Um, so, I mean, it is insurance, you're paying for it, you're hoping you're not going to use it, but 
that's what it's there for. Um, And the other two uh, misunderstood aspects are, uh, are, are pieces of dairy revenue insurance. One is the protection factor, which is one of the, the things an insured decides, you know, how, how high they want that protection factor to be when they insure their milk. All a protection factor is, is essentially, uh, you can potentially increase your loss payment. So if you have a 1.0 protection factor, it means in the event of a loss, you're going to get paid that loss, you know, just straight out as it is on the policy. If you are, are, are fairly certain you're going to be paid a loss, or if that insurance uh, that floor isn't going to pay you what you need in the event of a loss, you can increase your protection factor and you can go up to an additional 50% um, loss payment. It, it does get pricier, but you know if you're sure something's going to happen third quarter or fourth quarter of this year, you can add an extra 25% loss payment, extra 50% loss payment. Um, and it, it's not... It's not as easily understandable when we're calling it a protection factor, but that's essentially what it is. It's it's a loss increase uh, factor. And then the other one is the expected milk production per cow. Um, I think this is one a lot of agents, when they go through the product, they either kind of gloss over it or they, they don't even explain at all. And with dairy revenue, the other big the other big thing with it is it's designed to be a more local product. It doesn't take national numbers. It either uses um, state production numbers or pooled regions. If the state isn't uh, a strong enough dairy state, they'll use pooled numbers. But the thought process there was we want to make sure that, you know, okay, whatever Wisconsin's numbers are, are going to be very different from what Florida numbers are going to be to what, you know, out West is going to be. So we wanted to look at more, local numbers. With expected milk production per cow, we're looking historically at what a cow is going to produce in each quarter. Um, and we're basing the insurance on that. And if the end of a quarter comes and say it was a really, really dry summer, um, second quarter, or you know, if it was really hot and those cows just didn't produce, if that production per cow is lower it can potentially kick someone into a loss sooner because we're saying, well, there wasn't, there wasn't the milk out there. It wasn't produced, you know, statewide. So that revenue just wasn't there. But on the flip side, if there was a lot of milk produced that can, you know, everything else being equal drive down a loss. Um, You know, it'll take a little bit more than that 5% price decrease to kick in a loss. So that's the big wild card. We obviously can't control that at all, just like we can't control market prices. But I feel like a lot of people don't point that out. And a lot of um, a, a lot of people didn't understand in a loss situation why their loss was so much greater, or so much less just because of that cow production factor. You know, it seems like with, uh, you know, I mean, this is true with any insurance, but particularly on this side of things, having an understanding of what triggers a loss. You know, there, we hear these words like revenue protection and, and uh, you know, things like that, but we have to make sure the farmer understands what triggers that loss because it might not be what they think. You know, they think it's so easy for our, in our simple minds to think, well, if I don't make as much milk as I made last year, I'm going to get paid. 
you know, or, you know, something along those lines when you've got to know and understand the triggers that create that event. And so, you know, it matters in the insurance business, right? The example I used to always use was, uh, you know, you're driving down the road and you hit a deer. That's comprehensive. You're driving down the road. You swerve to miss a deer. You hit a tree. That's collision. Right. And so it's the trigger. It's the same event. At the end of the day, your car is wrecked. But what triggered the actual loss? And that's what you have to make sure you have an understanding of. And you need to be working with um, professionals like Jenny who can explain that uh, to you guys. You've got to know what causes that. Is that an accurate way of saying that, uh, Jenny? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yep, definitely. And we want to make sure everyone in understands their coverage because like you said if you don't understand what triggers that it's hard it's hard for a farmer to feel like they're well covered and it's hard for us to feel like they understand the product so you know and it's insurance you know no one really wants to take time out to understand it but unfortunately it's kind of a necessary evil of of business so you know and I always tell people ask questions, you know, ask me the questions. I don't care if you ask me the questions multiple times. Sometimes that's what it takes to understand. So just, you know, ask those questions until you feel like you fully understand the product you're buying. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. You know, they, they've got to ask questions. So kind of transitioning here a little bit, kind of going to more crop hill insurance side of things. uh, What, Kind of a similar question, though. What's the most common misconception or mistake that farmers make when it comes to crop hail insurance? I think the biggest misunderstanding with crop hail um, is the difference between like multi-parallel federal crop, which is federally subsidized, and that price, no matter which agent you go with, is the same across the board, versus crop hail, which most crop insurance companies offer but that is a private product. So the government doesn't subsidize it and rates there differ um, from different companies. But, you know, multi is going to cover exactly that, multi-parils. Um, and hail coverage, it doesn't necessarily just cover hail. A lot of hail policies cover, um, you know, fire, vandalism, some transport costs. So there is a little bit more to hail coverage than just hail. But again, those are great questions to ask your insurance agent to kind of explain the differences. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, there's been a change, I feel like, in this industry. Well, and it's it's a, one thing that people don't probably have an appreciation, uh, appreciation of is how, I guess the right word is regulated. You know, the insurance industry as a whole is pretty regulated, but the crop insurance side of it's even more regulated. Um, as far as like you were talking about, there's aspects that it doesn't matter into farmers. It wouldn't matter who you went to. You go to whatever agent you want to, it's going to be the same price uh, for a portion of it. But even more than that, it's uh, it's giving the the farms an understanding of what's really covered from the peril side, because it's kind of something that farmers just used to either like I feel like when I started or when I was in the crop insurance business, which was gosh, I'm getting old 20 years ago or something like that. Probably. No, I don't know. 15 years probably. But it was, um, it was almost no, I, I promise you like 90% of the farms I worked with had no idea what coverage they had. They just know they had crop insurance and it was all kind of treated the same, you know, whether it was multi-peril, um, whatever it was, specific peril, 
uh, enterprise units, uh, all of these things. I mean, like nobody had a clue. I mean, they really had no clue. And so um, it's getting a little bit better education of what you have and getting a plan that fits your uh, business structure. That's what it really comes down to, right? At the end of the day, not everything works for everybody. It's not a one size fits all. And unfortunately, we treat it that way many times. Yep, I, I would agree. That That's very correct. And the nice part is, like you were talking about, kind of the evolution of the product. When, when federal crop insurance first came out, it was very basic. But the nice part about it being in place for so long is they've realized where they have holes in that coverage. And so they've kind of tried to customize it and tailor it so it's more inclusive of all the very, very different size and style operations we have across the U.S., yeah, I completely agree. And so we've we've kind of been harping on this idea of, hey, you've got to examine, you've got to know uh, what you need and what you want. Is there any tools that Rural Mutual provides that can help someone in that process? Yes. I mean, the, the biggest thing, whether it's Rural Mutual here in Wisconsin or Farm Bureau crop insurance agents or any other crop insurance agents, you know, throughout the U.S., Talking to that crop insurance agent um, will will kind of it'll kind of have give them an idea of what your farming operation is like, so they can match up. You know what insurance makes sense for you. It may not be dairy revenue. It it might be livestock gross margin, or you know it it, it might be dairy revenue works for you know this side of your operation. Wait six months and maybe then LGM livestock gross margin works for you. It's just talking to someone with specialized knowledge um, to understand your operation and recommend kind of what products would fit for that. Yeah, And I know if I remember right, I don't have my computer obviously up in front of me right now, but when I was looking around on your website after we had visited the first time, there's some actual like tools as far as uh, there's some videos that someone could watch to get a little better understanding of each one of these that were very well done, easy explain, easy explanations. Um, I mean, I understood them, so they had to be pretty simple. And so, uh, but there, you know, there's a lot, and there's other like uh, evaluation tools out there, I think on your website and things that uh, farmers could use to help kind of clarify a little bit on maybe what they might need. But then at the end of the day, it's about making sure you're working with somebody that you're comfortable with and is going to make sure and get you a, a plan that makes sense for you. So, well, Jenny, you, I really appreciate you coming on. Is there any other final thought you have, anything that we've missed that you think, hey, you know, we've got to make sure these individuals understand this. Is there anything else that we've left unturned for now? Um, talking about that website, the website for people to go to, the easiest one would be dairyrp.com. And that's going to have, you know, some of those tools that you were talking about. So yeah, just head out to www.dairyrp.com and that'll give you kind of the the breakdown on that but and thank you for having me i appreciate it absolutely so you can go visit dairyrp.com that's correct right that's correct and then after that you can visit seedcorn.com where you can get all of our other podcasts as well and uh, we are also on social media uh, facebook uh, linkedin or yeah we are on i am on linkedin but facebook instagram and YouTube. And you can check all those out to get all of our different media 
sources that we have. We try to provide a lot of tools for people out there. So check those out and you get this podcast on pretty much any podcast outlet that you're looking at. So Jenny, thank you again for coming on. Appreciate it. And everyone have a wonderful and blessed week.